welcome to In the Queue, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and I have to say that I've never committed original sin. Whoa. <laughs> your turn. I'm your co-host, Andrew, and every now and again, they get a comic book adaptation pretty right, pretty, pretty well spot on. Okay, and we're going to talk all about that today. We're going to discuss the new film, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Oh, yeah. Which is the sequel of sorts to the original Sin City film that came out a, a whole nine years ago. It was that nine long ago. Nine years, yeah. It's a long time. Um, but It is a long time. Before we get to that, though, uh, we would like to tell you where you can find us. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter Q, dot com. And on our blog, you can listen to all the shows that we've posted. You can also engage in the discussions that go on there on that forum. You can also leave requests for movies you would like Andrew and I to review. And we will definitely get to that. We love honoring them, their requests. And we will, yeah. we will do it with a plum. All of them, their requests. All of them, there lots of them, them all. MR requests. We are good speakers. MR not. English. O-S-A-R. That is us. C-M Wangs. <laughs> C-M-E-D-B-D-I. <laughs> O-L-L-I-B. MR requests. <laughs> oh my God, we've totally gone off the rails and it's only been the first 30 seconds. <laughs> So, yeah, and then you can also go to our Facebook page, and then you can listen to all of our shows there, and then we also post supplemental videos and things that will augment your experience, as it were, in enjoying our reviews. Lastly, you can go to iTunes, download our podcast for free. You can subscribe and have it delivered to your iTunes every week as the episodes come out. Isn't that amazing? I would say so. I'd say it's pretty amazing. It is kind of amazing. Yeah. So, as I said, we're talking about Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. This film, like its predecessor, is sort of a collection of interlocking vignettes. uh, Different types of stories that follow different characters in the world of Basin City. Uh Otherwise known as Sin City. Natch, yeah, yeah. I thought Natch. I thought that was implied, but uh, but thanks for the explicit. Uh, I'm good with those things. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, so I feel like this is kind of influenced by a certain film called Pulp Fiction that Quentin Tarantino became famous for 20 years ago. Really? Yeah, I definitely think that this this method of of having interlocking stories that aren't necessarily all chronological, um, all of them being in one film together, is definitely influenced by by Pulp Fiction, without a doubt. And and you know Robert okay. Robert Rodriguez, the director, cinematographer, writer, editor of Sin City, writer of songs that <laughs> Steven Tyler sings on over the end credits. Yeah, and he's he's you know he's good buds with Tarantino. Tarantino actually directed. Some portions of the first Sin City film. So, yeah, yeah. one scene with Benicio del Toro that's, in the front seat of a car. That's right. Yeah. And, and so I. His neck hanging open. I definitely think that, uh, you know, these guys, they've influenced one another. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with not, that. Not to say that the comic book didn't influence this a, a great deal. I know that it. Which I would say was more influential. <laughs> this is the reason that I was surprised by 
Right, and I think I your statement. I think I picked up on that because I'm actually not a fan of the comic. I've never read the comic. I was uh, coming at this movie just as a film with no prior no knowledge of the source material. No knowledge, admittedly so. No knowledge of the actual comic book. Although I did recognize, I recognized Frank Miller, his cameos in this film. Yes, yes, very brief. Very brief. Yeah. So anyway, so you've got these various characters. You've got Marv played by Mickey Rourke, who is this hulking guy uh he's got this kind of exaggerated Beast of a man he's got like this exaggerated jawline and uh, nose that is part of his forehead it's wonderful yeah. character design and he is basically at the beginning of the movie he's kind of trying to recollect what happened because something happened and he realizes he may have been responsible for, for for the death of some people and when the movie begins that launches into Sin City's world. Uh, yep. And it sets the stage, if you will. It sets the stage. Also, from a, from a landscape point of view, too. I mean, you can't help but sort of feel like they're evoking Los Angeles in some ways. Of course. With the, the geography of, this, of the, the terrain where the, the, like, there's like a Rodeo Drive-esque road that winds around the hills. And then you look down into the, the valley um, but so you've got other other characters like Josh Brolin and um, Joseph, Joseph Gordon, Gordon Levitt, Levitt. and then uh, Jessica Alba Alba pops in there, and then there's this the, the titular dame to kill for is Ava Green, who is a as I was saying to Andrew before we started recording a classic Black Widow character. Yes, um, she is very, very noir character, very dark, manipulative, evil, cold hearted and incredibly sexy and sexual. She gets naked a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's done. It's done tastefully. The, the photography is very tasteful and makes it even sexier. But um, but sort of to, to give you an idea of the, of the story, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of killing, a lot of violence, a lot of violence. Uh, in in three words, revenge, revenge, revenge. Yeah, that is basically that, that would that would cover the major themes of all three of the major storylines in this. Yep, that to me, that's what I gleaned from watching this film. The philosophy of the of this film is it's all about revenge, retribution, uh, you know, getting what's yours and and making the people who made you pay pay in return and make them pay Indeed. even harder, make them pay with their lives. Um, and, or sometimes with your own life. Yeah. <laughs> Without giving any spoilers. True. That's, that has happened. That's almost refreshing when that happens because it's different. It is. It's, it it's is. something that's out of the mold of what we've already been watching. That's uh, true. So let's talk a little bit about the style of Sin City. And I am fairly unaware of sort of the, the, the technical aspects of how they pulled this film off other than just basic green screen and um, color correction. Big green warehouse in Austin, Texas. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah, so as we mentioned, Robert Rodriguez, who started his career as a jack-of-all-trades on his film El Mariachi, yes. he literally did everything on that movie. And he wrote a book about it too. So called Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah, and I read that book that I, I would recommend reading. It's a really great book about sort of indie filmmaking. It's yeah, it's like his journal as when he was making the picture. Uh, yeah. it's, he's he's an inspiring figure. 
And I, well, I delight, I de- absolutely delight to the look of this movie as I did to the previous Sin City film. Um, but I, I feel like it's, it wears thin when we see the same thing more than once. Now, let me, I'll give you an example. <laughs> okay, so when Mar- Marv's, Marv's segment opens the film, and yep. it's, it, he, it's this really gritty narration that we, we hear his words as we see his face, and we see him moving yep. around, and we're thinking, this is his inner monologue, and I, I love that. And Marv is, is out for revenge, okay? And he's, he's, he's driving through these, like, high contrast black and white streets and it's raining and he's smoking and and it's there's all kinds of interesting texture and light and and just the quality of the image is is beautiful and it's like it's you don't see it in any other film the way that i'm sure that it's video but i don't know much more beyond that and yeah and then it gets to josh brolin's segment and it's like basically the same type of thing you know like we hear his narration we see him going on some kind of a revenge mission and i was thinking like well this is not when you take away the substance and you're left just with the style it gets boring (laughs) like it's Uh, the the style is not enough it's got to be the writing has to be invented the writing has to be new and well i disagree i disagree yeah well let's hear it I, I think that the I think the style is more than enough to carry this because the style is sort of what this is. I, I feel like uh, like Sin City, a it, it's very true to the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, this one less so than the first one because this one had a couple of segments that were written specifically for this film. They they didn't come directly from one of the comic books, but they were in keeping with the feel and the attitude of the comic books. The mm-hmm. first Sin City was ripped directly out of the comic book, you, mm-hmm. I, and I mean. The comic book was basically a storyboard for the film. Uh-huh. Uh, shot for shot, you could take a panel from the comic book, compare it to a shot in the film, and they would be identical. Which I, I thought was truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I really loved uh, when Robert Rodriguez did this. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I am not a big fan of green screen special effects. And I am not a big fan of ostentatious special effects. But these films pull it off in such an assured and stylishly coherent way Mm -hmm. in, in a way that other films like this, like the Superman movies or, or uh, really any Zack Snyder (laughs) film, you know, uh, 300 or or any of those uh, movies like that, or even movies like uh, sky captain in the world of tomorrow, which was sort of the, the big like movie that started this whole green screen revolution. Uh, All of those don't have the, uh, sort of level of commitment to the style that this does. Because Robert Rodriguez is nothing if not an absolutely assured filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he ne- it, it seems like he never questions a choice that he makes. And there's something very nice and very refreshing about that. Um, but I also think that these films, these Sin City films, and this one is no exception, uh, are really kind of a condensed, hyper- stylized, hyper-modernized version of the film noirs of the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. It really it really feels like they took all of the elements and condensed them down into this like really hyper-concentrated version of it. So these these sort of uh gruff, emotionless narration are straight out of movies like Double Indemnity. You know, it's it's no 
it's it's not unfamiliar to those of us who are in love with film noir mm-hmm. and 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 this is film noir for the 21st century i mean i, I feel like it's it's so it's so knowledgeable about and in love with the kind of source for it that these the the style uh the style propels the film forward. It gives it so much forward momentum that I never find myself getting bored. I never find myself being uninterested. Mm-hmm. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I enjoyed every second of the film. I thought that it was just spectacular. I loved it. Wow. Well, that's quite a passionate defense of that film. Um, I definitely, I feel your enthusiasm and, and I, I, I want to be there with you on the same page regarding this movie. <laughs> Believe me. Uh, because there are times when I was, I absolutely was really captivated. But then there are other times when I thought, you know, I, I think I, I think I'm onto this movie. I think I know what the philosophy of this film is, and it's just empty. It's uh, it's just empty killing. And even old classic film noirs, even old, even um, Double Indemnity or 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 a handful of other ones like Out of the Past or or Maltese Falcon or any any other ones like that is like, um. Maybe, maybe uh, the reason why you're saying this is a 21st century update is is it, it partially because now us here we are in the 21st century we can show tremendous graphic violence and 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 brutality which which makes up nearly every act in Sin City a damn to kill for is an act of violence it's all oh, it's yeah. all brutal violence and is that taking the place of intelligent you know, situations and, and dialogue. I mean, the dialogue at Sin City is intentionally cheesy. I get it. But I'm thinking that this, this Sin City as a film is, is too empty for my taste. If it's just going to be a stylistic exercise that, that Robert Rodriguez is pulling off all by himself, it's, it needs something fresh. I don't, I don't... It needs to freshen this, this noir sensibility more than just using, like, the technology. But I, I don't see it as being empty. I see it as being bleak. I see it as being very much in that film noir vein. Like a lot of those Fritz Lang, you know, films uh, when he was working in America were like they just had such a bleak outlook. A lot of the you know movies like uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing is just incredibly bleak. Mm-hmm. Just like, like they have these really, really uh, sort of uh, kind of sad like a, a really defeatist attitude towards the world and Andrew, sort of almost misanthropic view of the world and i feel like this is no exception are you mentioning sin city a dame to kill for in the same breath as stanley kubrick's the killing yeah wow yeah without question <laughs> it's in the it's in the same vein it's it's a film noir stanley the killing is one of the great film noirs uh-huh there's no question about it and it belongs in that same list as double indemnity and maltese falcon and all of those and uh, or even if you want to talk about something like Pick Up on South Street, which is a Sam uh, Fuller's right. great great film noir, um, like they all they none of them are, you know, they all follow these people who are you know on the on the dark side of humanity, and things don't go well for them. It's they, these are movies that didn't have happy endings. These are movies that did not work out well for the protagonist, mm-hmm. and so. That to me, I mean, this is in keeping with that. It's it's kind of a misanthropic tale, and again, this is you know again me returning to the source material. The source this is directly in keeping with the source material. It's the comic book you mean? It, yeah. yeah, yeah. The comic book is is this hyper violent, and it is this uh, 
uh, sort of nihilistic. <laughs> well, it's, do you think that the first Sin City was on the same level in terms of the the nihilism? And was there anything that the first one oh, yeah. had that that Sin City Dan the Killford doesn't have? I think it had a focus of storytelling that this one might not have quite as much. I feel like the the first one is a better film. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the first Sin City flows a little bit smoother, but I also feel like the early comic books flowed a little smoother. The If, if you read through the, the collected work that is called Sin City, and then you read the collected work that is called Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which is the one that came after Sin City, mm-hmm. it's a little bit less focused. It's a little bit less interesting. And then they, there's one called Blue, uh, Booze, Broads, and Bullets that comes after that that's a little less interesting still. And I think there's one more... Uh, the Big Fat Kill mm-hmm. is another one. Actually, comes before Booze, Broads, and Bullets. That's also a little bit less interesting than, than the previous ones. They, you know, it's it, it is kind of a one trick pony. I don't think they could make another movie out of this and yeah. uh, and have people uh, really stay along for the ride. But the only criticism that I've managed to find of this that people seem to consistently level at this film is that it is quote unquote more of the same. Now. I suppose that's a form of criticizing it, but at the same time, I love the first movie so much, so they gave me more of the same. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I love it. That's right. Give me more. One person's criticism is another person's endorsement there. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I I went into this movie thinking that that I would like it and and cuz I did love the style of the first one too. I mean, I just love the sort of the the cartoonish like painting on on the canvas where painting on the photographic image to really sort of get something totally different and unique. Um, but yeah, I, I just sort of feel like the first Sin City, there was just more, more interesting themes at work. Um, there was, there was themes of self-sacrifice. There was themes. There, there, of, were, there was more variation in the themes. Yeah. Uh, I will agree with that. This was kind of a one note, movie as you said revenge 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 Revenge. that was kind of the whole thing although truthfully in the first film all three of the stories have to do with revenge as well well what i recall from the first one there's also a little bit more self-sacrifice just there is especially hardigan's character yeah willis's character and now and then hardigan is is back in this film in a very understated role as just kind of a, a, a ghost who appears periodically to, uh, to Jessica Alba's character and uh, and um, you know she she seems to see Bruce Willis sometimes and he has a pivotal impact in, in the climax of the film um, but it's it's sort of like I couldn't help but think they wanted to sort of bring the whole gang back together and, and try and repeat the success of the first film well but the thing is that again going back to the source material, uh-huh. all of these characters repeat. Like as you move through the comic books, they show up in each other's stories all over the place. So Marv will be in the background of somebody else's story. You know, Dwight's story will have Marv hanging out in the background. Yeah. And that makes sense. But, but Bruce Willis, he, he, he was such a small contributor to this movie. I just, just I, I, I don't, but he was a small contributor too. to the comic book. Okay. Well, Right. I guess he may, he may have shown up. I, actually, I don't remember in this particular case, but that's it. Wouldn't have been unusual for that to happen in the comics. Okay. Well, fair enough. So yeah. So he was back with a with with a good cause because he was part of the source material. But I just I I got tired of the un, the unrelenting 
let's call it bleakness of this film uh-huh. uh, just because maybe I prefer my films that offer a glimpse or or, or satisfies my curiosity <laughs> about the human experience. Maybe, maybe this was our where where we the point of difference for us on uh, the rover, perhaps. Perhaps, maybe, yeah. I think <laughs> I, I would rather watch this movie again than the rover again. Oh, um, but no. Sorry, just gotta say, but but as I was walking out of the darkened corridor of the theater and I opened the door into the the hallway, I was thinking, like, man, like this. I did not get anything from this movie. And I need wow. I need something more than just than being than having cotton candy for an hour and a half and then and then I walk out and I got this bad taste in my mouth. Like I I I, I this is one reason why I perhaps Man. will not like this movie as much as you like it, Andrew, is for the very nature of what it is, for the fact that I've seen some of Robert Rodriguez's recent films and felt yeah. like it was simply empty violence. And it's it's humorous violence because it's so over the top, but it's still empty to me. And I just derive no entertainment from some scenes like we saw in the climax of, of this movie where p- there's just multiple slashings and beheadings and, and explosions and bullets and, and blood and all that. And uh, and I get I get that you, we're supposed to not take take this seriously. I understand that that's that's what that's how this type of entertainment you know, succeeds. Um, but even if I don't take it seriously, I still feel like this is not something that I want to and get myself involved in. So it's, that's why I need the substance of Sin City beyond just like sort of the, the flash flashiness of, of some of it. Fair enough, I guess. (laughs) I mean, there's not much I can say to that. Um, this on, on the other hand, I feel like this is, uh, popcorn entertainment done right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there might not be a whole lot of depth to it. Uh, it might just be kind of a uh, guilty pleasure of sorts uh, because, you know, it, it doesn't have that, that depth of character. You know, it's not, we're not watching a Terrence Malick film here. Although uh. <laughs> I, would, I would argue that Terrence Malick makes terrible films, but that's, you know, that's my, well, that's opinion. quite a leap from um, uh, Sin City to Terrence Malick, but go ahead. Well, yeah, you're saying that you need a great amount of depth, so I go to somebody that is considered to be a very deep filmmaker. Well, you, I'm but you, citing him as an example. I know you say that sarcastically, though, because you're not a fan of, of Terrence Malick, though. There are, there well, are other directors the... who we could both agree on have more depth than Robert Rodriguez, and they may not necessarily be somebody as pretentious as Terrence Malick. <laughs> uh, Richard Linklater, how about that? No, he's, a lot of people think he's pretentious, too. I don't know. Let's, how about um, Paul Thomas Anderson? How's that? Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But not everybody can be Paul Thomas Anderson. Give me a break, right? Yeah. Um, but I, you know, for me, this is this is this is summer entertainment done right. Mm-hmm. This is how it should be. This is like when people go to the movies and they like when I, when I complain about movies like Transformers or some garbage like that. And people say, oh, you're no fun. You're just a cinema elitist. Like, you don't understand. Like, all I want to do is go to the movies and turn my brain off. It's like, I would rather go to the movies and watch a movie like this than a thousand mm-hmm. Transformers movies. Because I feel like this has more style, more intelligence, more wit, better writing, 
much better performances. I think every performance in this film was solid, spot on. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, like, yeah, I, I could watch Mickey Rourke as as Marv until the end of eternity. Uh, I I think he's just so great. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I thought was did a bang up job in this movie. Yeah, he was. I thought he was so good. I thought he was the one that I wanted to watch the most. I I, I really in the beginning when he shows up and he's like Mister Lucky and he's not yeah. like some kind of gruff looking, you know, Mickey Rourke like guy who's very like muscular and he's he's this kind of pretty boy this young pretty boy who still has a lot of confidence and he's he's smart and he's quick and that's why he's a he's lucky that's why he's a good card player and uh, i was totally into this i was thinking this is not something that i saw in the first sin city so i was like well let's let's bring it on bring on more of it and i and without giving anything away they do bring on more of it and that to me was was something different and i as in case i'm not making myself clear I'm very much focused on the things that were different in in their sort of core or their or their writing or their originality. Marv's story, for example, as as the as the movie went on, I felt like okay, I get what Marv's all about. I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to win all of his fights, and then and there's no more suspense there. Um, maybe at that point would be a time to sit back and look at the production and be like oh this the special effects here are very impressive but to quote george lucas who's not always right he did say once that a special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing oh man yeah i i cannot agree with that like like saying that there is no story in this is just patently false (laughs) Like that's just that's a that's a misinterpretation of the entire film if that's what you're saying. The story is revenge, revenge, revenge. Yeah, but there is, there are intricacies to each of those revenge tales that are interesting and compelling and uh, you know fun and drive the movie forward. Like you said yourself that Ava Green plays this classic Black Widow character. Yeah, well, there's a reason that you perceive her as such. That's because the story presents her that way. Like you wouldn't have said that if she if they hadn't painted a beautiful picture of her as exactly that. And the only way that you can do that is through the way that she treats the men around her and what happens to them and how you perceive them. And that is the story. Yeah. Well, that's her character, I feel. And, and her character is developed by what happens to her and how she reacts to others. I, I agree that her, her action, action dict- dictates character. Um, but... For me, it's it's something bigger than that. It's it's something bigger than than character development that keeps me watching a good movie, and I just felt like, can you pinpoint what it is that's missing from this movie <laughs> for you? That's what I want to know because like I don't understand what it is. Like you're not looking for Terrence Malick, you're not looking for Paul Thomas Anderson, you're not looking for Richard Linklater, you're looking for what what kind of what level of depth are you looking for? Well, it's kind of hard to contem- to quantify that right now in terms of what I'm what I'm not getting from from Sin City. I can tell you what I liked, and maybe that will lead me to what I was missing. Um, I liked I liked seeing new characters. I liked Ray Liotta. Um, I like Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd presented a different <laughs> aspect of Basin City. He was not the the 
crazy tough guy. He was just the crazy doctor. And that was refreshing to me because everybody in this comic book world has got to be super tough and super masculine and super badass and and always, you know, be be around killing people or planning on killing people. And Christopher Lloyd was he's something totally different than that. He is and what a what a unique choice for the role. I mean, kudos yeah. for to oh, bring yeah. to bring Christopher Lloyd back with this type of character. And um I would have liked to see let's see what else um one thing else that I liked while while we're on it is the the detectives who were um who were sort of researching the crime and one yeah, of them one yeah. of them started to fall for Ava Green uh that was different I guess maybe yeah but that that's part of her story though is what I'm saying and what happens to the detectives as a result of involving themselves in her life is part of her story. And if you found that compelling, then you found that story compelling. Well, you're talking about that story. This is a compendium of different stories. Would you agree? This, this one film? Yeah. It's three, it's three vignettes. Yeah. It's, just, it's like if I went and watched the movie three extremes or watched a bunch of episodes of tales from the crypt or something like right. that. Right. And so there are three stories in one movie and the characters overlap. And, um, I just felt like it's, To, 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 to summarize that as best as I can in, in the limited amount of time that we have also to, to talk about yeah. this is basically I wanted to see different facets of Basin City other than just uh, you did me wrong, I'm going to kill you or I will, I will track you down and kill you. Um, and, and I know you're, that some might say that's just you know, that's the film noir aesthetic. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's what you would say. <laughs> and and I'll, I will definitely revisit some film noirs after this because I want to, you know, f- further sort of explore this this situation. Um, Nobody gets out alive in film noir. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, Nobody gets out unclean. There's no happy endings in film noir. But there, part of why I love it so much. You know, film noirs have not been popular for for several decades. I mean, some say that Chinatown was the very last great film noir, and most L.A. Them, Confidential. Uh, the people do come out well in that movie. Both of them, both heroes, come out well. Sort of. No, you have to. They don't. They don't agree. come out with their hands clean. Well, yeah, but they're alive and they're going to prosper. Anyway, we're not we're not talking about L.A. Confidential right now. What I'm saying is. <laughs> Back in the 40s, after the World War II was when film noir rose to, to prominence. It became a great sort of response to the, the cynicism that came around after the war, yeah. as well as it, it fostered the expatriate filmmakers who fled Germany and, and Europe to come to the States, yes. and they ended up directing films there. Those films did not have to rely on brutal violence throughout the whole film. They, were, they had to rely on wit and dialogue and, I disagree. and fleshed out stories. For the time, for the time they were scandalous. They were absolutely scandalous. They were they were they were put into B movie theaters because people didn't want to watch them in in proper movie theaters. They were they were the underground cinema of the time. Yeah, but you can't compare they, them. They were considered pulp, you know, they were considered pulp films, not not fit for regular human consumption. If you look at the amount of screen time of violent scenes in a film noir from the 40s, it's going to be Far fewer than if you look at the same amount of yeah, but the Hayes Code was still in effect. I mean, come on. No, the Hayes Code. Oh, okay, yes, the Hayes Code was in effect. Yes, that's right. 
it, it yes. did go into effect before film noir started, but that but they still had to write better films. I mean, do you think that that uh, that Double Indemnity is a is a better written film than Sin City? Yes, yes, I would agree with that. But as I said, this is like a condensed. It's like it's like the Cliff Notes version of all of film noirdom. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one big homage. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. And the comic books were an homage as well. Okay, well, I, so, I believe it. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that the comic books were, and I'm sure that this film is is very true to the visuals of the comic and the the feel of the comic. I yeah. just felt like, as I've as I've said, you needed more. I, you needed more. I needed more, and I didn't get it from Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. But I can respect the the artistry of the way it was made. I yep. respect Robert Rodriguez, the quadruple or quintuple threat that he is. Um, yeah, he was he was even the visual effects supervisor on this, and I, I saw his name. I think I counted it like eight or nine times in the credits. Right, and then I also have to admit that I did enjoy seeing the gorgeously stylized women in this movie, uh, who are very <laughs> alluring and. Uh, attractive, and I, I definitely enjoyed that part as well, especially the delectable Black Widow, Ava Green. Yes. So I think you probably get a good idea of where we stand on this. Phil didn't like it so much, needed more from it. I loved it, loved it. and continue to love it. I uh, love the first one too. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, one of our one of our increasing number of disagreements right, what's on this podcast. You're tearing me apart. We're tearing me apart. Uh, join us on our next episode when we will be taking on another listener suggestion. This one from Christy in Boston. It's a little cult classic known as Office Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the great comedies of the 90s. Yeah. I think most people would say. Well, don't tip your hand uh, too soon in advance, Andrew. I'm just saying that is that is what most people would say about it. Most I don't people? think that that's arguable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so please join us for that, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>